This is Derek Bros. Derek Bros. Derek Bros. This is Derek Bros. of the Conscious Resistance. I'm here in Standing Rock. That man is wanted in five different countries: Chile, Argentina, Brazil. We've been fighting a long time. We've all lost so very much. So many loved ones gone. Don't you fucking tease that horse! You are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. Above all, stay alive. You have no idea how important you are. Hey everyone, this is Derek Bros, and welcome to the Conscious Resistance Network. Today we're going to be continuing our look, our investigation into the ongoing investigation by the Utah County Sheriff's Office into ritualized child sexual abuse. These are not my words. That is the words of the Utah County Sheriff's Office. And for those who've been following along, I've been covering this for over a month now for since the beginning uh pretty much since the beginning it was first announced this investigation was originally announced may 31st by the utah county sheriff's office and i've subsequently done um let me see i've done six different video reports and five different articles so far and all of those can be found at theconsciousresistance.com guys if you visit theconsciousresistance.com right now I encourage you to bookmark this website and check it regularly. This is where I've been putting out all my content, uh, including those of you who may be tuned into my nine-day holistic self-assessment challenge that we did recently, episodes of Freethinker Radio, interviews, all kinds of important stuff. Find it at theconsciousresistance.com. You can also download my books. You can watch my documentaries for free, etc. And for everything that we're going to talk about for tonight, you can see right here in this latest post, Utah County Ritualized Sexual Abuse Update number five, the Mormon Church. That's what we're going to focus on tonight. All the sources for that will be right there. And one other thing I want to mention, for those of you who do support my work, uh, I want to encourage you to go to theconsciousresistance.com slash invest. And if you want to make an investment in my work, for those of you who know my work and know the quality, the caliber of journalism that I do, I've been doing this for over 10 years. And other than being paid to write articles for The Last American Vagabond, I'm totally user-funded. I don't do Patreon. I'm trying not to do PayPal. I do have a P.O. box in the U.S. There's an address right there on the Invest page. I accept crypto as well for donations. But the other way to support me is if you want to buy some T-shirts to support the brand, you can get the Conscious Resistance T-shirts. You can get our messages, um, Holistic Anarchism, You Are Powerful, You Are Beautiful, You Are Free. And you can also get this one that I'm rocking here, the No Masters, No Slaves upside down inverted pyramid which is one of our most popular um shirts so yeah all that the consciousresistance.com and of course i appreciate everybody who continues to support us so let's dive in this as i said the sources for everything are listed right here in this post for those who are watching the screen it sources straight to my article and it shows you my previous five reports on the situation i'm not going to rehash what has been uh brought up previously but i am going to let me see if i can pull this up I am going to show you one update on the Utah situation specifically, and then the focus of my fifth article, it was not even directly related to the Utah, the current 2021 investigation by the Utah County Sheriff's Office, but it was more related to historical claims and accusations of ritualized sexual abuse against the uh, Church of Mormon, uh, the Mormon Church, and the, you know, the, the community, the you know, that community. We're going to talk all about that in just a moment. So that's what we're focused on today. But uh, there are only one update really that I want to share with you related to this specifically to the uh, the Utah investigation, because as I said in my previous video, David Levitt, the man who came out and said he's not a cannibal, 
who was allegedly implicated in some way in the ongoing investigation by the Utah County Sheriff's Office. He lost his election, so he won't be Utah County attorney by the end of this year, going into next year. And whether or not that will lead to any charges against him or anything like that remains to be seen. We really don't know. And so there haven't really been too many updates. Now, the only thing I do have now that I've found it, sorry for that stalling. Let me go to my Twitter account. For You guys know the channel Lift the Veil, Nathan Stoltman, Lift the Veil. Um, I don't know all of Nathan's work. I'm not here to vouch for it one way or the other. There probably are some things we don't agree about. There are probably some things that maybe we do agree about. But I do know that he was one of the only other people recently who's been um, talking about this Utah case and specifically digging into the files, digging into the documents. He, as well as myself and Ryan, the last American Vagabond, was only, one of the only other people that was digging into the documents and describing some of the disturbing things that are listed. And again, the documents I'm referring to, without getting lost in the weeds, are from 2012 with a case against a therapist named David Hamblin, who we believe is also implicated in this current investigation. So what happened here now I found I can pull up Nathan Stoltman has been researching this. And then yesterday he posted the tweet and he deleted it. And then he kind of reposted it saying that he received a letter, a cease and desist letter, sort of, um, let me see if I got it. Okay. So Nathan right here says, I got a cease and desist letter from something called Utah crime victims, uh, legal clinic, accusing me of doing things I didn't do. I ended up taking down, taking everything down that had elements of the case file. See right here on the screen, this is just uh, a letter from this organization called the Utah Crime Victims Legal Clinic, dated July 5th. Um, yeah, and they're reaching out to him and basically accusing him of potentially doxing victims. And there's even a line, let me see if I can pull it, it says, we ask that you immediately desist from the speaking about the victim and case police investigation, and they list the case number, and to immediately remove any and all blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, or any other electronic media where you have disseminated information related to the identity, statements, and recordings of the victims, specifically including the victim statements you put online. While you may be seeking to shine light on injustice, you are inadvertently perpetuating the victimization of our clients by invading their privacy and compromising their safety. Now, I don't know if he specifically named any of the alleged victims in this case, but I do know that I posted the documents as well online. And I've talked about this just as much, if not more, than he has. So I don't know if I'm going to be getting one of these letters soon. I haven't really looked into the Utah Crime Victims Legal Clinic to find out too much about who they really are or what it's all about. It could be a genuine attempt to try to protect victims. And um, if so, maybe they're trying to reach out to me, but I live in Mexico. So yeah, but that's the only update that I've seen specifically related to the Utah case and this current investigation. So now... Let's get to the subject matter for today, which is, again, the focus on accusations against the Church of Latter-day Saints. Excuse me, let me make sure I say the Church Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I don't want to offend anybody. Also, the Mormon Church. I think in my article, I might have referred it to as the Church of Mormon, which I've heard some people use, but apparently that's not common, and some people might have taken offense, uh, and that's not my goal at all. So if you go to thelastamericanvagabond.com and click on the article, which is linked on that main source page of the conscious resistance, you can see the article, the, my most recent article, Utah Ritualized Sexual Abuse Investigation, the Mormon Church and Child Sexual Abuse. And the man that's pictured on the, if you're wondering who that older man there is, his name is Russell M. Nelson. We'll get to him in just a moment. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and cover. And I want to emphasize that my goal with doing these types of videos, because 
my least favorite videos, and maybe this is different for some of you, but my least favorite videos are the ones where somebody's just literally reading an article to me that I could read myself. And also because I write these articles, I want you to read them. So I'm not going to read it for you, but I will give you some key points and hopefully tease you a little bit, encourage you to go click on the sources wherever you're watching from. If you're watching on Odyssey, Rockfin, DLive, or even Facebook to look at the sources and to share the article, please, please, please. If you can't invest in my work, if you can't buy a shirt, the, the least, the very least you can do is read the article, share it, not just dump it on Facebook or dump it on Twitter or wherever else, but maybe send it in messages, send it in emails and texts to people you care about. Say, hey guys, here's an article I found. Have you heard about this situation? And that goes for any of my content you've important. Just a reminder, that's why we do it. That's the point of social media. So let's get into some of this history. Now, as I mentioned before, that in my third report, I actually look at specifically the history of these reports in the state of Utah and in, the, in these different Utah counties. Uh, so that was part three called, is there a history of ritual abuse in Utah? And the answer to that is yes. And so this one we're looking at basically asking that same question of, is there a history of accusations at the least of ritual abuse in the Mormon church? And the answer is in, as a uh, resounding, yes, yes, there is. Um, and now depending on how deep you want to go and how, you know, there's people that I've met and what I said in here is that there's people that I've met who believe that there's corruption at the root. And that allows for these types of activities, these sexual abuse of kids and, and you know, ritualized stuff, stuff that might be called satanic and just outright abuse that just happens. Um, I've also spoken with members of the church who acknowledge that the church has a pedophile problem, but do not believe the core structures of the church are infected by pedophiles. And so I want to make it clear for this investigation in this video that I am not intending to attack anyone's religious beliefs or individual Mormons. And this is not about painting the picture that the entire church, you know, the entire Mormon church is aware of the reports of child sexual abuse. Um, although it's clear that some members, former members of the church have gone so far as accusing the church of actually being a front for Masonic or satanic activity. I'm not currently making that judgment at this point. Um, I do think that those controversial claims warrant further investigation, but that's not what I'm saying here. What I am saying is, Let's just take a look at four different examples that have taken place and, you know, accusations that have taken place over the last 40 years. OK, and probably the most well-known for those who know anything about this, but also not very well known by the general public. is something called the Pace Memo. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with this, I encourage you to learn more about it. The Pace Memo is really I think it's one of the big pieces of the puzzle. And in 1990, there was a man named Glenn L. Pace, who was seen as a general authority. I think that's the actual title of his position in the church. And he wrote a memo to, to the church leadership describing claims of widespread ritualistic abuse within the church. This memo was dated July 19, 1990, and it was based on the complaints of 60 members of the church who claimed they were forced to participate in various rituals, which are sometimes referred to by Pace, the man who wrote this memo, as satanic. He wrote the following, I have met with 60 victims. That number could be twice or three times as many if I did not discipline myself to only one meeting per week. I have not wanted my involvement with this issue to become a handi handicap in fulfilling my assigned responsibilities. On the other hand, I felt someone needed to pay the price to, to obtain an intellectual and spiritual conviction as to the seriousness of this problem within the church. So he sent this memo to the president of the church at the time, uh, Ezra Taft Benson, detailing a year of interviews that he said included accusations of ritual abuse in different parts of the country, including Utah, Idaho, California, and even in Mexico. And the Pace Memo describes incidents of ritualized abuse and human sacrifice. 
Pace would state that he was convinced that at least 800 members of his church were going, were involved in this, to including bishops, uh, a DSCs, president, patriarchs, temple workers, members of the church, young women and young men groups, and members of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. So this was based on all the accounts he'd gathered, and he basically believed what, at least in Pace's opinion, in one part of this memo, which wasn't super long, he said that he believed part of the purpose was to cause disassociation with kids. And he says as the result of the disassociation, children would, quote, develop a new personality to enable them to endure various forms of abuse. He continues, the basic objective is premeditated to systematically and meth meth methodically torture and terrorize children until they are forced to disassociate. The torture is not the consequence of the loss of temper, but the execution of well-planned, well-thought-out rituals often performed by close relatives. The only escape for the children is to disassociate. So once the Pace Memo leaked to the public, the church was very quick, of course, to dismiss it. The church, uh, they had a spokesman told the Chicago Tribune at the time that, you know, it was overblown and that none of this was true. And basically it's this sort of the thing we've seen time and time again, satanic panic. This is all just people with false memory syndrome and a bunch of, you know, scared conservative people imagining things. And it's just so easy for people to say that. Oh, was it in the eighties, early nineties? Yeah. Satanic panic. That was all fake. I don't know, guys, I've done enough research investigation to the finders cult network and, and now into the Utah um, situation, of course, the Franklin scandal and, we know that Epstein was going back then, you know, these things do exist. Now, whether or not each of them contains what some might consider satanic elements, I think that is up for debate and question, but I do think some of those exist for sure. So uh, Sergeant Don Bell, who was chief of the Salt Lake Police Department um, intelligence unit at the time of the Pace Memo, he said that his office receipt was receiving at that time about six uh, reports a year alleging satanic abuse, saying, quote, I have no doubt whatsoever that these people who describe these who describe enduring satanic ritual abuse are victims of some very profound type of abuse. But I do not believe there's an intergenerational network of sat Satanists active in this valley. Now, Pace himself was saying he was skeptical, but he, he would have been skeptical and, and remain skeptical if he hadn't done the research and learned more all about this. And Eventually, because this memo became mainstream, it did lead to the Utah Attorney General's Office investigation, which I detail in part three of the series where I talk about the history of this stuff going on in Utah. So if you want to go back and read that, you can kind of see how just the timeline of events, you know, you got the Pace memo coming out, that starts to become public. There's all these people making accusations, and then eventually the uh, Utah State decides that it's, it's worth their time to go ahead and, uh, and you know, dive in a little bit deeper. So that's sort of where we're at with the Pace Memo. And the thing is about the Pace Memo, this is like, for example, if you were to go look in the Wikipedia right now, they would tell you some of these things I'm just describing to you, but ultimately dismiss it as sort of, again, satanic panic. Uh, it's been discounted. Nobody believed it. The church denied it. I mean, why the heck would the church, you know, do anything other than deny it, right? So, um, I go on to describe how Mike King, who was one of the investigators for the state, the Utah state during their investigations that I was just describing, he actually told the Salt Lake Tribune that he thought the accusations against the church leadership were, quote, absurd. So it has been forgotten mainly by people. But I think what's important to remember is that Glenn Pace, as far as I know, stuck by his story to the end of his life. And I think he's dead. I'm pretty sure he's not alive anymore. And um if he is, help me find him. Let's interview him. But I'm pretty sure from what I've read and seen, he's stuck by his story and he didn't change that. And his conclusion was the following. 
I also believe this is how he concluded the state, his whole thing. I also believe that the scriptures cited and many others that could be quoted argue against our being passive about the problem. I don't want to be known as an alarmist or a fanatic on this issue. Now that I have put what I've learned in writing, to, I feel the issue is in the right court. I hope to take a low profile on the subject and get on with the duties which I have been formally assigned. This is not to say I would not be willing to be of service. Over the last 18 months, I have acquired a compassionate love and respect for the victims who are fighting for the safety of their physical lives and more importantly, their souls. So that's one piece of the whole uh, you know, puzzle as far as this accusations in the uh, church, the Mormon church, the Pace Memo. And I guarantee you there's a lot of Mormons who, who know about it. And some are like, yeah, that was you know all BS. Again, people try to dismiss it. I don't think it's that easy. Now, paper dolls. This is another interesting topic. And it does. This deserves its own videos, its own research, and perhaps I'll do that in the future. But I'm kind of honestly sick of talking about this stuff for the moment, and I will stay on it. Of course, it's my job, but I'm sick of being knee deep in this sort of stuff for the moment. But paper dolls was a book that was published in 1993, and it claims to be the stories of two different women in the church who suffered sexual abuse within the community. Um, it's written by pseudonymous authors April Daniels and Carol Scott. So some fake names, published a book titled Paper Dolls, Healing from Sexual Abuse in Mormon Neighborhoods. And I found a couple of different reviews of it, and I actually found copies of the books and you know was looking through it. But essentially, the story is that the woman that is called April Daniels was a banker in her early 30s, and she begins to recall abuse that she says she suffered beginning when she was five from neighbors and relatives. And the other woman, uh, Carol Scott, was a mother of a friend of hers, and a psychology professor, she records her discovery that many of the same people recently have been abusing her grandchildren. Both women are Mormons, and most both of them, uh, most of the nearly 20 abusers appear to be church members. So they both go on to describe their experience, and uh, there are some theories I will say about who this these names really are. Um, I didn't even get into that because I don't have you know the corroborative evidence to 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 tell you whether or not the people that some people think this is really based on is true, but I think it's it's worth noting that there are claims that Paper Dolls was anonymously published by family members of high-profile people in the church, and this was their way of getting the information out. Unfortunately, it was largely ignored, and uh, you know, there's been some discussion, as I put here, after the publication of Paper Dolls, there was apparently internal discussion amongst the church leadership regarding the true identities of the women. However, if the stories do are accurate, there appears to have been no one held accountable. The one thing I will say is that while Carol and April don't describe their abuse as satanic, they believe that, quote, touching parties had a ritualized element to them. She outlined how first the children would be shown pornographic movies of other children before being made to undress and masturbate each other. This would be followed by oral and anal sex with everyone in the room. Now, I want to show you, let me scroll down to the article at the bottom real quick. I did get a comment from somebody telling me, hey, don't you know this is who it is? Like I said, I can't confirm that, but I think it's worth sharing the comment. And they said right here, um, let me see, Paper Doll. Somebody else was just kind of angry, didn't like my, my, my article, I guess. Paper Dolls, excuse me, I saw the comment earlier. Um... There's people saying they're no longer members. Okay, it says, you realize that Paper Dolls is about the same sex abuse ring that Nelson's daughter, the man pictured up top, and son-in-law were accused of being law involved in, right? It's the same case. And we're going to talk about that one in just a moment. That is what I've heard, but I, I, I can't prove that, so I'm not going to make that accusations yet. But let's go to the next one. Paper Dolls, well, there's another book called 
leaving the saints. In 2005, Martha Beck, a daughter of Mormon scholar Hugh Nibley, released her book, Leaving the Saints, How I Lost the Mormons and Found My Faith. And this was controversial because her book included accusations that she was sexually abused by her father, who's, again, somebody very well respected in the Mormon community, and for her claim of recovered uh, memories of the abuse. So that's controversial. You know, some people say it's been implanted. I'm not here to judge. I'm just passing on the information. And there is more to say about this, but I think that this piece is sort of just a starting point, right? So this is not meant to be the deepest dive. I think it is fairly deep for those who are totally new to this, but there's much more to go. So Martha Beck says that church leadership were aware that her father had been sexually abusing her and they chose to do nothing. She says that the church leadership helped him and they failed to act. Quote, she said, I speculated how widely gossip um, about my accusations had already spread through the Latter-day Saint community, a community singularly skilled at sweeping allegations of sexual abuse under various homespun carbons. I imagine that certain people now looked at me strangely, spoke, strangely spoke to me in guarded, hesitant tones. I suspected that even though the Mormon powers that be might not actually threaten my life, they would probably try to ruin it. And yes, these suspicions were outlandish. Yes, they were paranoid. And yes, they were completely accurate. And on page 261 of her book, she laments the fact that basically that it hasn't been, you know, nothing's been done to really prove if this is actually happening more in Mormon territory than it is just in the general in the United States, which is her belief. And she says the following. Personally, I think the answer is yes, particularly in the core population of Mormons who are descended from polygamous ancestors. Since moving away from Utah and working as a life coach for hundreds of people from all walks of life, I have encountered only a handful who say they were sexually abused as children. However, in Provo, Utah, at the Lord's University, it seemed that I couldn't open my car door without smacking an incest survivor. So she's kind of pointing that this, in her experience, this was way more prevalent in the Utah area uh, than, than anywhere else she experienced. Now, I mentioned Warren Jeffs. Warren Jeffs is probably the most well-known case. And again, I, try, I thought I made it clear, but some people seem to, again, take it. Maybe I didn't phrase it right. Warren Jeffs was the, is a convicted pedophile and former president of the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the FLDS, not the LDS, so not the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Fundamentalist Church. And this one still practiced polygamy. So maybe they're not specifically a denomination of the main church, but at one point they were together and they, you know, they've broken off. They're considered totally separate and the main church sort of shuns them, at least publicly. But clearly, I think some people behind the scenes might believe in polygamy still, might believe in taking wives, uh, you know, young wives and things of that sort. Warren Jeffs, he rose to power. I'm not going to do the story here, but I encourage you to learn more about this. There's a documentary out um, called keep sweet, pray and obey. I think there's even a fictionalized uh, TV show about it that I came across recently. I can't think of the name right now. But there's also a book by um, Brent Jeffs, who was the nephew of Warren Jeffs. And he wrote a book, and I think it came out in 2005, something like that, 2008, maybe later, called Lost Boy, where, again, this is nephew of Warren Jeffs, who became the leader after his father of the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and his own nephew filed a lawsuit against him saying that he'd been anally raped by him in the 80s and you know at the church compound. And then he wrote a book describing how he'd been the victim of child sexual abuse at the hands of Warren Jeff, his brothers, and other family members. So he's talking about like a whole group of people, not just this one man. But guess what? I mean, I think there were other people who got 
charged whenever Warren Jeffs was finally caught in Texas. But ultimately, he didn't get charged for all these things. He got charged for a few things, and he's definitely in prison now. But he didn't get charged for everything that he's guilty of. Let's just say that, right? And so he took young wives. He raped them. He was raping boys as well. I mean, there's some really sick stuff going on. Uh, and I, as I said here clearly, although FLDS is a separate organization from the larger mainstream LDS church, the fact remains that silence from church members, family members, and church leadership allowed the crimes of Warren Jeffs to persist as long as they did, because people knew that this kind of stuff was going on. And this brings us to the final one of the evening. I hope you guys are with me. For those who might join late, I'm going over my fifth article in my series of Articles on the ritual, the, the investigation into ritualized sexual abuse in uh, in Utah. This final story is the most recent one that I found that was actually sent to me by a viewer. And thank you for sending it to me, bringing it to my attention. I'm still digging into this because I think there's more to the story. Unfortunately, we'll probably never get the truth of it because, well, it was dismissed in the courts. Russell M. Nelson, and he is, again, the man that's pictured at the top of this article, pictured in this video. The most recent example of accusations against uh, the church Leadership involves the president of the church, Russell M. Nelson. He's a retired surgeon who served in various church positions before becoming a member of the LDS's church's quorum of 12 apostles for nearly 34 years and then becoming church president. I don't know if that's the official title. Again, people kind of seem to take issue with some of the, la the language I used. I apologize. But he became president somewhere in the top leadership January 2018. And he's now considered to be a prophet by members of the LDS church. However, by late 2018, it was being reported that there was a lawsuit which was attempting to force, again, the man, Russell M. Nelson, to testify regarding allegations that his daughter and his son-in-law had been involved in sexually abusing children. This was reported by Fox 13 in Utah, saying that six unnamed people only listed as Jane Doe and John Doe against two unnamed defendants, which turned out to be the daughter and son-in-law of the, the church leadership, uh, Russell M. Nelson, and this dragged on from 2018 to, I think, just 2020 before it was eventually dismissed. But essentially, the lawsuit says that in 1985, a man only identified as perpetrator in the court papers sexually abused his children. The lawsuit claims a 16-year-old babysitter, uh, babysitter was both a victim and an abuser and later committed suicide. The plaintiffs allege that Doe 1 male defendant and Doe 2 female defendant ran, quote, touching parties at their home and perpetrator's home. So again, this goes back to that touching parties that I mentioned earlier when it comes to paper dolls. That's why the accusation is that like the story about paper dolls was related to this guy, uh, to this current case. And again, it's not an accusation directly about Russell Nelson. It's about his daughter and her husband, his son-in-law. Uh, the mother of the children told Fox 13 that she reportedly abused the police, but they failed to pursue the case. She said she also went to the church leadership and told them of the incidents and that one elder named Neil A. Maxwell told them to quote, forgive and forget. The mom said, I assume the highest leaders in the church would want to help my children heal and the perpetrators would be put in jail. I was very quickly disillusioned about that. So this goes on for a little while longer and it does become revealed that Brenda and Richard Miles, who are the daughter and son-in-law of Russell Nelson, are the ones involved. And they get a lawyer representing them and they say there's no truth to these accusations. They claim that this was investigated back in the 80s and that nothing came of it. And so by 2018, they're trying to you know, get Russell Nelson to testify in court to do a deposition to find out what he knows. They never said he was considered a suspect. There are accusations of that. They said he was simply a witness. And in the end, the Utah Supreme Court made a, a ruling 
that basically changed the statute of limitations in sexual abuse lawsuits, and thus the court was forced to dismiss it. And you know, they were trying to already dismiss it, saying he's 94 years old, it's old, you know, he's old, this could any delay, you know, he might die. And like the, you know, the, they were they were fighting to try to keep the case alive, essentially. But eventually it came to the point where 10 days later in January 2020, um, the motion was denied to depose Nelson. And then by summer of 2020, they dismissed the ruling, as I said, in relation to a decision made by the Utah Supreme Court. And that was it. And so the case has been dismissed without prejudice, which means it cannot be retried. It means they cannot bring it back, which means that if there was truth to these accusations, there's got to be some other way to bring it to light because they can't bring it to this court based on this allegation because their you know, statute of limitations says your time ran out. And, you know, I think that's just sad to see. And that history brings us full circle to 2021, the Utah County Sheriff's Office investigation. This is the most recent accusation of sexual abuse. Now, this one, as far as we know, because we don't have all the details, we barely have any details, does not involve members of the Church of Mormon, the, the Mormon Church. But I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, like somebody said about victims of incest in Utah. Well, I feel the same way. Like there's not everybody who lives in Utah is a member of the church, but a lot of people are. And that includes cops, that includes politicians, that includes media people, right? So it's been historically difficult to get somebody to real to, to honestly investigate the church and their involvement because so many people are involved. And uh, that's where we're at, guys. So I don't know. I don't know what to, you know, where things are going to go. These things do happen, though, and they are dismissed by the public because of propaganda. But at the end of the day, the one thing I, and what I wrote here is that unfortunately, many of the victims, the alleged victims, they've been ignored for decades. And now because people are feeling like they want to come out and speak out publicly because of things like the Me Too movement, Jeffrey Epstein, maybe Ghislaine Maxwell. There's a lot of people who've been victims of sexual abuse who are feeling safer, like it's okay to come out and tell their story. Now, maybe people are going to hear them and be believed only to find out, whoops, sorry, the statute of limitations has run out and your abusers cannot no longer be held accountable. You know, my bad. So this is why it's important to discuss this. This is why it's important for people to talk about it. And it's important for the stories to get out there. So I, you know, this is just my small effort to try to raise awareness about this and try to bring, you know, some, some, some bit of light to it. Uh, I wish I could do more. I wish there was more that I could say about this case. And, the, you know, and I hope that the Utah County Sheriff's Office are legitimate. And when they announced this investigation on May 31st, here we are a month and a half later. I mean, police investigations can take years, right? So I don't know. We just have to, and this is not something I'm good at, let the cops do their job and just trust the authorities, right? Yeah. Well, history doesn't bear out a very good track record for them. So I don't know, but that's where we're at, guys. That's the end for the moment of my investigation into Utah's claims of ritualized child sexual I encourage you to still send emails. If you have stories, if you have information about this, you can email it, Derek at the conscious resistance.com. Derek at the conscious resistance.com. Tell me your, your stories. I've been appreciating and, and enjoying, not really enjoying because it's some scary stuff and disturbing things people are sharing, but I've been appreciative of the, the uh, leads and the uh, information that's being sent my way. So please continue to reach out to me uh, and I will do more videos as they are necessary. Uh, again, if you want to find all the resources for everything I discussed, go to theconsciousresistance.com. Check out our latest post, uh, Utah County Ritualized Sexual Abuse Update Number 5. And if you want to support us, 
You can go to theconsciousresistance.com slash invest. You can find my crypto wallets. You can find our PO box if you want to send us some stuff. If you want to support us by buying a shirt, go here to the website, visit that. We're constantly sending out new shirts and we're thinking of new designs. So check it out, guys. Thank you so much for supporting my effort. And I'll be back soon. Got a lot more videos, a lot more reports coming your way. Until next time, remember, you are powerful, you are beautiful, and you are free. Peace. Since 2012, the Conscious Resistance Network has been an independent media organization focused on empowering individuals through education, philosophy, health, and community organizing. We work to create a world where corporate and state power do not rule over the lives of free human beings. Our motto is leading by example and helping others in their pursuit of freedom. Visit theconsciousresistance.com to find our articles, documentaries, interviews, podcasts, books, and more. Remember, you are powerful, you are beautiful, and you are free.